Hello, everybody. It's your host here, Nathan Rapaka, with the Slice Podcast. Um, I want to say happy Monday to everyone. I hope everyone's having a good Monday morning, and I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend. I know I did. Um, you know, as the summer rolls on, there's always an event every weekend that you have to attend. So, you know, that's why we love the summer, guys. Um, anyways, guys, I hope you. All are had a great weekend, and I really thank you guys for tuning in today. Obviously, I'm coming to you uh, after um, we had French Open finals weekend. You know, on Saturday we had the women's final, and on Sunday we had the men's final. So we're gonna talk a lot about um, what happened this weekend. Uh, just do a quick overview of the winners and the losers, and then we'll get into a topic I want to talk about, which is going to be updating the GOAT debate, right? Um, so let's get into it. So first, let's start with the uh, just a quick overview of my thoughts on both finals. Uh, so obviously, both finals went the distance this year, both for the men's and the uh, and the women's. So if we start with the women's, we see Krechkova versus Pavlichenkov. Um, that match went three sets. The first set, Krechkova, she won 6-1, uh, pretty stable set. Uh, but pa- but what happened after that, Pavlijenkov won the second set, and Krechkova ended up actually winning it out in the third, 6-4, which was a huge win. She's unseated coming to this tournament. Um, for those people who don't know who Krechkova is, she's not a big name, but she, uh, is a really good doubles player. Uh, she's always been great on the doubles. She has a couple of doubles uh, slams already. Um, but yeah, you know, she really played well. I mean, her first serve percentage was 73%. She had a higher win percentage on serve than Pavlichenko. Um, and she had a bigger uh, win on the second serve as Pavlichenko was under 50. I think the big difference really came from the break points. Um, she was 6 for 14, while Pavlichenko was 5 for 12. Also, she came to net about 11 times. No surprise here that Krevchenko is the better net player. Her being a doubles player, you, you saw that it really translated on court. Um, but, you know, it's it was really interesting to me because, you know, she had a lot of errors. Krechkovenko, she had 34 winners but 31 unforced errors, while Pavlichenko only had 23 to her 16. But she had 11 more winners than Pavlichenko, which really offset um, the unforced error total for Kreshchevenko. Um, very, very tough. Um, at, when it was a short ball, when it was zero to four shots, we saw Kreshchevenko really take advantage of the match. She was 52 to 46 on zero to four shots. When it came to the five to eight shots, she won those as well. But when it came to nine plus, we saw Pavlichenko really edge her by one stroke. Um in the match. Um, so it was definitely a very, very tight match. Um, uh, but you know, great match. Congratulations to Krechkova. Really interesting story. Not only did she win the, uh, the singles final, she actually won the doubles finals. Well, so she won the double championship at the French open singles and doubles, which is really amazing. Um, so awesome for her. So congratulations. Um, for Kretschenko, you know, really my recap about the women's, uh, tournament this year, I don't really have much to say, except it's, it, I expected something like this to happen being in the past, the way the women's game has been going, it's been a lot 
very, very upset heavy, right? There have been a lot of newcomers to come and go. It just seems like the top women just can't seem to translate wins when it comes to the slams. Seems like there's always someone new coming up, upsetting them. And we had that again here. Um, and, you know, it's really good for the women's game how unpredictable it is. But it's also interesting to see, like, how why are these top women's players not able to win against uh, – these other players, um, yes, the women's schedule is highly condensed compared to the men's, so maybe that plays a part. And especially if you're a qualifier and you're a uh, lower-seeded player, you do play a lot of qualities, you play a lot of challengers early in the year, so you do definitely do get a lot more court time than these top players. But it's definitely interesting when it comes to the slams. Um, it seems like qualifiers and unseeded players just have more um, – what do you say, more experience. They have just more court time, which is really one of the reasons I think why the top players aren't able to win because they're not having enough of that uh, uh, court time when it comes to each surface. So to me, that's what's really happening here in the women's game. So, But really, congratulations to her um, for winning the double. Now, let's go to the match everyone's been talking about. Um CT Pass Federer, uh, CT Pass Djokovic final uh, that happened on Sunday. Amazing, amazing final. Um, it was a very interesting final. That's all I really have to say. Just to recap on what happened before this final. For those who know, Djokovic had a tough four-hour match against Rafael Nadal in the semifinals. It was a four-set win for Novak, um, and. Everyone said the third set was probably one of the greatest sets ever played. It went 7-6, but every other game, someone was broken or getting broke. No one could hold serve in that um, third set tiebreak, in the third set. So um, Djokovic came out that he outdid Nadal. He beat the king on clay. While Tsitsipas actually had a similar match to the final where he played uh, Zverev, and he was up two sets to love. But he ended up swallow. He ended up giving up the lead, and he actually. But instead of losing the fifth set, he won the fifth set very comfortably, and beat Zverev. So definitely, if you look at this match, you know going in, you can tell that Zverev was definitely the more fresh, while Djokovic definitely, definitely that last match took a lot out of him, and this just shows the greatness of Djokovic, right? So the first two sets of this match, just by analyzing the whole match, right. We look at set one. We see Tsitsipas had seven aces. Um, despite the fact that uh, Djokovic was winning on his first serve, he was three for 12 on his second serve. He was losing a lot of his second serve, which didn't help him. Um, Zavera was just going in in the first set. It went to tiebreak, so it was definitely very, very tight, but he ended up losing a close tiebreak. And then when we go to the second set, we see a little difference here, right? We see that. Again, Djokovic is struggling. Sorry, give me one second, guys. I don't know. Yeah, here are my notes. Yeah. So we saw that Djokovic was struggling again on the second serve. Big time. But we see that this time Paz had more break chances. He was two for five on break chances. We saw that he had a lot of winners. And we saw that Djokovic was really hitting a lot of errors. He was 10 unforced errors to Paz's two. Um... We also saw the speed kind of go down for Djokovic on the serve as well, too, which was um, interesting to say. And we saw for the second set, we saw that um, 
When it was zero to four shots, the short rallies, we saw CT Pass would win those. Five to eight and nine to ten, CT Pass won those as well. I mean, he was really dictating play from the uh, – he was dictating a lot of his play on the passing shots, CT Pass, in this match, and on the volleys in that second set. So after two sets, pretty much, you know, Novak, to me, looked tired. He looked out of it. He didn't look motivated. Then the third set happened. The beginning of the third set, CT Pass was playing really good, but Novak just – he I don't know what happens. He does this every time. He's down. He ends up taking a bathroom break for like 10, 15 minutes. He comes back. He's a whole different player. It's like nothing ever happened to Novak. And it happened again, guys. I mean, Novak goes back to the locker room, comes back, wins the set 6-3. He's pressuring CT Pass on every shot. He's hitting every ground stroke. I barely saw Novak miss one ball in the last three sets. It was that tough for CT Pass. I mean, he was hitting everything, and you could see C.T. Pass's confidence started to really, really dwindle. And C.T. Pass didn't have a chance on Novak serve after that third set. It was completely just Novak Djokovic being Novak Djokovic, and he ended up winning the match um, in five sets. He's only the sixth man in Grand Slam in tennis history in the open air to come back from two sets to down in a final and win that final, which is amazing. And this right now is Novak Djokovic's 19 Grand Slam. He is currently one away from Nadal and Federer. So he is right there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for Pass, really proud of him. He looked very, very sharp in the first two sets. But I think it just comes with experience. I think we all know Stefanos is going to be a future Grand Slam champion. I hope this doesn't really derail him. You know, I think he realized, like, look, I'm playing the greatest player in the generation right now. And, you know, I think... He will be back. So, but it just all depends on how these big three play, right? I mean, they've been dominating the last couple of years. So we'll see how it goes. So those are my thoughts on the French Open finals. Um, you know, it, it's so good to have tennis back as a fan. I mean, seeing the fans in the stadium, even though there was only five thousand, it's just good to hear a crowd yell and cheer their favorite player. And whatnot. Um, and then, you know, it's crazy. Two weeks later, we're going to have the grass. We have Wimbledon. And actually, right now, Federer is playing um, in Halle, the Halle 500, the ATP 500, Halle. Um, so he is playing on grass right now, guys. So I'm watching that match. Um, yeah, Federer looks rusty, by the way. So anyways, back to the French Open topic. Sorry for a distraction. But yeah, we'll have Wimbledon in two weeks, which is my favorite slam. Um, I love Wimbledon. The good thing about Wimbledon is it's going to be on ESPN. So there's full coverage of the, the championships, thank God. Um, you know, because the French Open, it was so tough to find a stream. I had to buy a year membership on Tennis uh, tennis Channel Plus, which was annoying. But anyways, I had to see it. I don't care. I paid the $100 for the whole tournament um, to to watch it and analyze it. So let's talk about something more important. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter and my social media, you guys know how big of a Roger Federer fan I am. I'm one of the biggest fan Fed fans you can ever meet. I've followed his career from childhood. Um, I've watched so many of the tournaments. And uh, yeah, I you guys know how I feel about Federer. I've always thought Roger Federer was the greatest player of all time. You know, I always thought um, 
and Nadal and him were 1A and 1B. I never thought it was 1 and 2 because Nadal and Federer both have the same amount of slams. Um, it would just be hypocrisy to say that, you know, Rafa is not included as one of the goats of tennis. But, you know, I think with a lot of sports fans and a lot of uh, people who are really passionate about their players, right, who are like, yeah, no, Kobe still got it or like, LeBron has still got it or, you know, like these players that we've seen our whole life in their primes. And once they get old, we're just like, yeah, I mean, they're still the greatest, man. But we don't see the facts and reality. And the facts are this. Novak Djokovic, ladies and gentlemen, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Novak Djokovic is the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. Um, There is no one else who could beat Novak. I mean, he's impossible to beat. Even when the guy is down, he wins. I mean, just look at the, I I mean, I'll highlight a couple of matches that I think kind of profess what I'm about to say. Wimbledon 2019, Federer's up. He He played, Federer played way better than Novak. The whole match he played better than Novak. Novak was always behind in the match. Federer has two championship points. What does Novak do? He breaks Federer back and wins the match in a fifth set tiebreaker. Case number one. Case number two, French Open 2021. Novak Djokovic, he is down. He loses the first five games of the first set. It looks like it's going to be a repeat of the 2020 French Open. Novak Djokovic rallies, wins three games. Nadal still wins the set. But Novak still wins the match in four sets and doesn't let it go to five. Crazy right? What else? 2012 Australian Open. Nadal has a break in the fifth set. Probably the longest match of all time, six hours long. Novak Djokovic comes back, re-breaks Rafa, wins the match. I can keep going on and on. U.S. Open 2010, U.S. Open 2011 against Federer. Down and out. Down two match points. Federer chokes it up. Novak wins the match. It's the story of this guy's career. He is so mentally strong. He is the me- the greatest mentally tough player I've ever seen in my life. A lot of say a lot of people say Rafa, but Rafa's the greatest fighter. He's the greatest physical fighter, I would say. I would say if we're talking about the mental fighter, the greatest mental fighter in the game, it's Novak Djokovic. Federer and I hate to say it, guys, Roger Federer has one of the worst mental mentalities when it comes to finals. If you look at Federer's finals record, he chokes a lot in finals. He really does. He's had chances against Thiem, Del Potro over the years, Djokovic, he, where he could have won the title but ended up losing the title. You know what I mean? He had so many chances to win. He had match points. He had breaks. And couldn't finish the job. And that's kind of going to knock Federer and his legacy is not able to finish the job. And I might be the biggest Federer fan ever. I I thought after he beat Nadal in 2017 that he is the greatest player of all time. Because he outdid Nadal. That was one of the small, one of the only instances where I saw Federer say, you know what, screw this. I'm going to will myself to beat Nadal for once. And he did that. And I think that's why he's got a great record against Nadal now. Because mentally, he broke that barrier between him and Nadal. And he said, screw it. And that's why he's won six out of their 
of their last seven matches. I mean, he's dominated Nadal recently. But the thing is, talking about Nadal too now, we go to Nadal. I would say Nadal has been more consistent than Roger over the last five years now. And well, what is Nadal doing wrong? He's not been consistent in the hard courts. He's only been consistent on clay, realistically. You know, if you look at his titles the last five years, Nadal really hasn't won a lot of hardcore titles. Yeah, he's won the U.S. Open twice in the last five years. That's true, but these are Djokovic's years where he kind of lost, and we, like, Wawrinka was hot at one point. It's 2017, if you don't remember. And everyone talks about the 2017 season, how Nadal and Federer um, dominated, which they did. They won two of the Grand Slams each. They shared in the Grand Slams, but... Djokovic had an elbow injury. People forget this. People forget that 2017, Novak Djokovic, guys, was not relevant. He he dropped to number 17 or 28 in the world because of his elbow injury. And that's because he was injured. So people forget that Novak had an injury that was really sustainable, that was really bad. He ended up coming back and dominate everyone in 2019 and 2018. So... I just say, like, you know what? At the end of the day, all people should bow down. All people have to say this, and this is the reality of the truth, guys. Records are meant to be broken. Champions are supposed to be broken. And Novak Djokovic right now, there is no argument that he is not the GOAT. I mean, you can't find one. He's got the head-to-head against Federer and Rafa. He's two ahead Rafa and head-to-head. He's four against Federer head-to-head. He's beaten Federer three times. Three Wimbledon finals he's beat Federer. Federer couldn't even win one Wimbledon final against Djokovic. He's beaten Rafael Nadal on the greatest, on Rafael's greatest surface twice in his career. There's only two people who beat Nadal. It's Soderling and Djokovic did it twice. He's the only man to win two or more um, majors. He's got the complete... Slam. I mean, even Federer hasn't done that. Federer has one French Open. Nadal has one Australian Open. They've never won two or more. They've only won two or more on three of the four Grand Slams. They've won a single title. on. So Federer won one in the French. Nadal won one in Australia. That's it. That It's crazy to me that... Djokovic has won four straight slams on two different occasions. Nadal and Federer never did this in their heyday, guys. A lot of people looked at a 2009 Roger Federer, the most dominant year for Federer, or the 2006 Federer, or the 2007 Federer, or Nadal's uh, 2010 reign, 2013 reign. It does not compete with Djokovic's reigns. Djokovic has, has had so many reigns. It's crazy, guys. And it just seems like the way it's looking that Federer, that Djokovic is going to end up winning. He's going to end up winning this debate. And I think fancy to be more respectful to Novak. I hate Novak as much as any Novak hater, but I respect him after this weekend because the media really gives him a bad look. And I don't like it, how he's the bad guy of tennis. And it makes sense, right? Because I would say that Nadal and Federer are very likable characters. But Djokovic is the killer. He is the the party spoiler. He always breaks the party. And 
I hate to say it, guys. Novak's the greatest. He is. I mean, you can't say anything else. And people say, oh, well, Novak played an old fetter. But you got to realize, 2011 to 2020, the last 10 years when Novak started getting relevant, right? Um, bro, Federer made it to finals. He made it. In that, remember, in 2012, Federer won a championship. Nadal was still winning finals. It's not like... He, they weren't winning. And when, so when people say, yeah, I would agree, they're not in their prime primes. But if anything, I would make the argument, Federer got better. Even he said, look, when I changed to my bigger racket head, I got better. And I agree with him. He's hitting the ball faster. He might not move the best, but he's still beating top quality players. Rafa too. So how can we say that... He beat them not in their prime when they're all kind of the similar age. Nadal's 35, Novak's 34, Rogers 39. He'll be 40 in August. There you go. That's all I got to say. I mean, it's it's really hard for me, and I can't believe I'm I'm supporting uh, Roger in this topic, but I'm ha- uh, supporting Novak in this because I have to. I have to look at the facts and be honest, and the facts speak for itself. Djokovic is on his way to being the GOAT. I'm not going to say solidify him as the GOAT yet. Now, for example, if we play in Wimbledon, and if Federer somehow makes it to Wimbledon final, which is very likely this year, because he's still very rusty. I mean, even from this match, I don't know if Federer, I don't know. We'll see what happens. He's got to get used to the grass. But I don't know if Federer somehow beats Djokovic in in this tournament, maybe not a final, but somehow just beats him in some way, or even Nadal, then we can reopen this GOAT convo because then we can be like, okay, well, Federer can still beat him. Nadal can still win. But it's tough. In the Grand Slams, it's hard to beat Djokovic. So, but as of right now, guys, Novak is the solidified GOAT, I think. if he And the funny thing is he's the favorite to win every tournament. He's already got two. And I have a feeling he can win all four, and no one's ever won all four in the open era. So if he wins Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, he's going to pass Federer and Nadal. And then no one can argue he's not the GOAT. As of right now, yeah, you could say a couple of things, but as of right now, I personally think Novak is the greatest player I've ever seen. He's a machine. He cannot be beat. His mental state is always strong. Um, uh, it's crazy, guys. Ever since he went to that gluten-free diet and got – um, psychological training, like a sports psychologist, dude has been goaded. So anyways, guys, thank you for joining me on this episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, I will be posting a lot more, uh, once Wimbledon starts So for probably the next two weeks, I'm going to be pretty quiet about, uh, tennis stuff. Um, I'll still be posting on my Instagram, my live reactions to Federer at Halle, maybe do a little update on what I think about his performance in Halle because this is a very important, 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 important tournament for Federer. He's got three tough matches, potentially tough matches that will really be, you know, to me, the case if Federer has a chance at Wimbledon. If he can at least win two out of those three, I'll be happy. So we'll see what happens. Um, But anyways, guys, thanks for joining. I hope you all enjoyed the French Open if you uh, watched it. Um, The best time to watch and play tennis is always in the summer. So I really encourage everyone to start watching the game. It's a really fun game. Um, It's very entertaining. Um, I know a lot of people think like, ah, you know, it's always long. But it's really not long. Um, I promise you that. 
So anyways, guys, have a good one. And this is me again, signing off from the Slice Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone.